1: I've told the Lord, you know, as long as there's one soul that needs to come to know him, if I'm on my deathbed, I'll be struggling to get up to get to that one. And that's my passion. I just love to see people's lives transformed.
0: His life began in Wales and he was uninterested in the things of God but somewhere along the way God intercepted his life and called him to start an inner city church in the US. Today on First Person you'll meet Pastor John King. Welcome, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Glad to have you listening. We always try to find stories that will encourage you as you follow Christ. And when you use our mobile app or the website firstpersoninterview.com, you can go back and listen or re-listen to any of the conversations we've had on this program. Again, online at FirstPersonInterview.com or search for the app First Person Interview in your app store. We've also recently been added to Spotify where you can listen anytime. As always, this program is made possible by the Far East Broadcasting Company and you can say thanks by supporting FEBC in its gospel ministry of taking Christ to the world by radio and new means of technology. Click on the banner for FEBC at FirstPersonInterview.com. John King did not start out in life wanting to have anything to do with Christianity, but as you will hear, that changed one day. And then later, in a very powerful way, God moved John from Wales to England and then to pastor churches in the U.S., most recently Riverside Community Church in Peoria, Illinois, a remarkable church located in the heart of that city in a historic building. Let's meet this adventurous
1: man who has a passion for souls. So, I was born in uh, South Wales, um, a little village known as Coyd, uh in um, 1950. And I uh, was born on a Sunday, and the church bells were ringing as I came into the world, so I'm told. <laughs> and um, yeah, I was born into um, a pastor's family, uh, the youngest of four children, and uh, had a very, very good upbringing. Um, but still needed to know Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so that, um, uh, although a wonderful upbringing, I knew I was lost and needed Jesus, uh, really revolted against the church but I couldn't run from Jesus. and um,
0: So when did the encounter with Jesus come in your
1: life? It came on a weekend where, for some reason, I wanted to go to church. My dad, I'd, I'd now reached the age of about 13 or 14, and uh, my dad had wisely seen my uh, lack of desire for church and never forced me to go, and uh, went to um, the morning service, and I, I think my dad... Seeing me there took the opportunity and preached hellfire, (laughs) basically, and uh, I walked out and and walked home. Hmm. Um, But then I went back uh, thinking I'd want to go to church in the evening, so I went to a Welsh-speaking Baptist church. Um, thinking, well, I'm not going to understand a word, but I'll be in church. And your father
0: wouldn't be preaching.
1: And he wouldn't be preaching. (laughs) But what I didn't know is that that night they had a visiting speaker that couldn't speak Welsh. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and he preached almost the sermon my dad preached. And I walked out in anger, to be honest. Really? And then I was walking down through the village, and um, I heard a familiar sound. And uh, there was a group of people holding an open-air service out on the green... And um, they had a loudspeaker and it was coming down the valley and I walked up and was so mad at them I started uh, just calling them and uh, mm. names and, and and basically cursing them, you know. Mm. And um, two of those guys came across and they they got me cornered between a a wall and a lamppost, and uh, they began to say, "When are you going to stop fighting? You know that God is talking to you mm. and He wants you home. And um, after about thirty minutes, I just broke down crying and they took me into an old lady's cottage. And I knelt by a sofa and surrendered my life to Jesus
0: Boy, the spirit was chasing you that day, he wasn't was he? was chasing me down, <laughs> I can tell you
1: But, um Immediately I knew my sins were forgiven And um, I had peace in my heart That I mm. had been lacking for a long time mm-hmm. you know, so. Now this took place in Wales
0: mm-hmm. uh, In a place that really was kind of a center For the Welsh Revival decades before, right?
1: Yeah, so my family were part of that Of course, uh, in in the sense that uh, My forefathers um, were around then Of course, in 1904 and five uh, Was the revival period So um, he, he was a coal miner because coal mining was the big industry in Wales at that time. And um, he uh, uh, amazingly had come to know the Lord uh, while in the pit. It was that the conviction that was in Wales at that time uh, was permeating everywhere. And um, in the pit, he surrendered his life to Jesus. Underground. Underground. So, the
0: spirit chased him underground. Chased him.
1: <laughs> knew where he was. <laughs> and um, wow. he surrendered his his life uh, to the Lord and um, out of that our whole family uh, you know came to the Lord and um, we we am now generations of um, family that came out of that revival basically you know and I was one of them but um, Wales was wonderfully blessed at that time uh, with revival it was corrupt um, prior to that and um, it changed the nation the atmosphere was totally changed by the Cor- Corrupt so in what others.
0: way? In morals? Or? Morals,
1: yeah. It was a very immoral place, um, very poverty stricken place. Um, a lot of drinking, uh, a lot of uh, immorality going on. It was uh, really uh, wild. But um, this group of young people came up with a desire for. God and a desire for change, um, and led by uh, a guy who became right to the center of revival, Evan Roberts. Um, they began to pray for revival, and um, his theme was Ben me lower. Hmm. and caused the people to bow before you. And um, God began to answer that prayer in remarkable ways. And um, it, it wasn't so much a revival of preaching. It was a revival of the presence of God. It was a, a layman's revival, really, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it? it was a layman's revival. And, and um, a young people's revival in its beginnings. Fueled by prayer. Absolutely, it was prayer at the core of the whole thing. They just went to prayer for it, you know, and um, uh, Evan Roberts would just walk into a building and, and sit at the front and... The presence of God would fill the place. He wouldn't have said a word, and people would be hanging on to the pillars of the the that were holding the balconies up, feeling they were dropping into hell and crying out to be saved. Mm, you know, wow! And it was just the presence of God. And then singing was very much at the base of it. You know, worship uh, was very much at the base of it as well. Mm. So, but it it really brought about a lot of cultural change at the time. Oh, yeah. As yes. I understand it. Amazing things happened, you know, people would be Walking down the street past uh, a, a church that had been open to revival, and would be convicted and just run into the the, the uh, church to come to the, know the Lord. Can you know? imagine? <laughs> oh. If <laughs> I only. I mean, you, pastor in
0: downtown Peoria. Can yeah. you imagine people oh, rushing into the building? to That's be saved? what
1: I, I pray for every day. But uh, no, it, it was a remarkable time, and and one interesting story, you know, is um, the fact that in the coal mines. Um, Um, They had horses, uh, they called them pit ponies, that would pull uh, pull the trucks of coal uh, so that they could hoist it up. And... um, Those pit ponies were so used to vulgarity of um, language, um, bad language, curse language, in the way that the miners would treat them, that when the miners had this transformation in the revival, of course, God cleaned their lives up and cleaned their their, uh, language up. And the ponies didn't know how to work. They they didn't understand this new language. <laughs> this new language. <laughs> there was no vulgarities, and and they had to retrain the ponies. Is there a, a better language.
0: illustration of the change that took place? I <laughs> mean, that's that's amazing. <laughs> amazing, yeah.
1: So that and and the way it spread, you know, when you think there was no real radio, and and um, it, it just amazing how yeah. God just began to hit different. Areas and they'd get together and find the same yeah. things that been
0: happening. Wouldn't it be something to see that happen again?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. And I think that's real revival, you know. But um, again, revival is a revival of the people of God that leads to souls being saved mm-hmm. as they see that happening. Mm-hmm. You know? So, uh,
0: so in that place where that revival took place decades before you came along, eventually you came to Christ. I, exactly. So. Yeah.
1: I, I, you know, I always look on myself as a grandchild of the revival, uh, you know, through my forefathers there, and um, but, you know, it took the same amount of the blood of Jesus to save them as to save me, and um, I'm just so grateful to God for my ancestors, but I'm more thankful to Jesus. Yeah, Yeah, of course. (laughs) Did God call you
0: into the ministry then after you became saved, or was there something in between?
1: Uh, No, it was... um, a, a remarkable uh, incident that, that happened that called me um, into the ministry. I was 15, been saved about two years uh, now, and um, I was in a huge meeting. Uh, in a tent actually and um, the speaker started to speak and he actually pulled out um, a a gauntlet it was a motorcycle glove you know he called it a gauntlet Mm -hmm. like they used to wear in times of old when they went and he said you know um, they would Throw the gauntlet down if they wanted to challenge another knight to a fight, and um, if he picked the gauntlet up, it meant that he would accept the challenge, and if he left it there, he would walk away a disgrace because he'd refused to pick up the challenge. You know, and uh, the preacher said, around the world, there is a need of um, people to take the gospel. And tonight I'm going to throw this gauntlet down to young people in this place and say, don't waste your life. Mm. Give your life to serving Jesus and taking the gospels to the ends of the earth, you know. And at that moment, he threw the gauntlet down and um, it was as if an ejection button went on my seat (laughs) and uh, although there were many hundreds that ran forward, I ran forward and I grabbed that gauntlet. I was one of the first to pick it up. And uh,
0: you were 15 years old.
1: 15. And I said, Jesus, for the rest of my life, I'm going to serve you, you know, and uh, that radically changed my life, you know.
0: There's much more to the life story of Pastor John King, and we'll get to it coming up next here on First Person.
1: I'm so grateful for the grace I receive while listening to FEBC all day long. I cried listening to God's message multiple times. Just
0: one of millions of grateful people who listens to the Far East Broadcasting Company in her own language. You can sign up for a free online daily devotional from FEBC Telling more listeners' stories while at the same time it encourages you from God's Word. Receive this online devotional without obligation when you visit firstpersoninterview.com. My guest is Pastor John King from Peoria, Illinois, pastor of Riverside Community Church, a mm-hmm. inner city church in Peoria. Right. And there's a story about how you came from Wales to the States, and I, I know at heart you said you're an evangelist. You've told me that before. Mm-hmm. So uh, tell me about that transition and anything else about your life between the age of 15 and coming to the States that you think we should know.
1: Yeah, I pastored a church actually in England um, that um, I took over with about six people in, and, and it grew. Uh, to be in about 400 people. Hmm. And um, I'd been there 14 years and felt I was going to be there for the rest of my life. It was an amazing church. All the um, elders of the church I'd personally led to the Lord. And um, I was extremely happy there. But anyway, I was driving through the city one day and was stopped at a a stoplight looking out over the city and thanking God for what he had done. And the lights went from red to green and in that moment I knew my time was up. It was just, just something like that. something just clicked huh. that I had to resign, you know. No audible voice of God or anything no, like that? Just... No, it was just a real sense. God just witnessing in my heart, Your time's up here, you know. But what do you do with that? I drove home and I told my wife who thought I was having a breakdown <laughs> and she said, Where are we going? if you resign, where are we going? And I said, I, I've got no idea. I'm just putting my life in the hands of God and we're going to wait on God, you know? So I told the elders and then the Sunday after I told the church, they were very kind to me. They said, until you know where, we, where you're going, we're going to carry on paying you, mm-hmm. which was very kind. But anyway, about three weeks after, uh, we'd been out for a meal, I came back and my mother-in-law had been babysitting for us and she said, you've had a, you've had a phone call from America. And I said, well, I don't know anyone in America, you know, and... um uh, again, long story short, I, I, the guy called back a few hours later, and he said uh, you won 't remember me, but I was in your church about six months ago, and um, I was there just visiting and uh, actually preached for you when he said that I knew it was uh, he had just been visiting and i 'd been asked to have him to preach. you know we were always getting American preachers wanting to come and <laughs> preach you know so, uh, and he said i 'm looking after a church in Washington, Illinois." And um, they've been without a pastor for 10 months, and the last two nights I've been uh, woken up with your name on my mind, he said, I knew when I was there you're very comfortable there, but how comfortable are you? And I said, well, actually, I, I, I resigned three, three weeks ago and put my life in the hands <laughs> yeah, of God. Yeah, this is you
0: know. no coincidence, is it,
1: you know? No. <laughs> so he said, well, will you come and see us? So I said, well, you'll have to tell me where Illinois is <laughs> and where Washington, <laughs> Illinois is. And he said, it's just outside Chicago, which for a Brit, Okay, all right. It's just 20 minutes up the road, Yeah, you know. and
0: anyone who knows geography of the Midwest knows that's not true. That
1: was, yeah. So we flew into Chicago eight hours and... I said to Letty, my wife, Well, it won't be long. We'll be having a cup of coffee, I suppose. They'll drink over here, not tea, you know. And, uh, <laughs> imagine our surprise. We got in a car, and three hours later, we were pulling into Washington, you Illinois. Were in Central and, Illinois, near yeah, Peoria. Yeah. So, um, again, cutting the story a little short, as soon as I walked through the doors of Faith Christian Center in Washington, a church of about 300 people, um, I just knew that's where God wanted us to be, you know.
0: How long did you pastor there in Washington?
1: I was seven years there, and uh, the church grew from 300 to 1,200. Uh, We got it to a debt-free position. We'd built a $2 million youth facility, and... um, once again, I was in Britain preaching at um, an Assemblies of God pastors conference with two thousand pastors, and um, I was preaching on the apostolic spirit, the evangelistic spirit and I said, uh, "You know there 's pastors here, and you 're far too comfortable and I said too often we 're sending our young people out to Pioneer churches without any experience. When really we ought to leave them with the churches and the and the experienced experience ones. Experience yeah. out, you know. Well, as I said that, I felt God say to me, "I'm speaking to you." What about you? Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I, I almost said, "I'm speaking to you. Don't interrupt me." <laughs> you know, I didn't want to hear that. But the, uh, at the same time, I knew God had spoke again. And um, I came back home uh, to Washington and I said, look, I, I feel that God is stirring me to go and plant a church in Peoria, Illinois, which is the other side of the Illinois River. Yeah, not too far away from Washington, it's but not, no. when you
0: say across the river, that, that's, a, that's a big, uh, a big uh, yeah. issue, isn't it?
1: It is a big issue because what we found is, is that the Hispanic population and the African-American population wouldn't cross the river. Uh, and in fact, from that side of the river at Washington, they used to say to me, be careful if you go into Peoria. Okay because it's dangerous over there, you know. And I joke that Letty and I used to come down to the Washington side of the river and just peer across <laughs> and wonder what was over there, you know. <laughs> but, but anyway... here you know. are in
0: downtown Peoria now on this side of the river, pastoring Riverside Church. Right. And so you're right in the thick of it, aren't you?
1: Yeah, and... Um, but that's by design, the Lord's design and your obedience. Yeah, I, I just knew the Lord was saying that um, people will leave in the city of Peoria, and I had to move in. And um, that's basically what we did. We moved in. Um, the church had grown in Washington to 1,200. The elders heard my, my passion and desire to go and plant, and they gave me permission to um, speak to the congregation and say anyone who wanted to go with me could go. And 300 people signed up to go That many? Yeah. Is that right? But on the first Sunday We started in the holiday in downtown Peoria And 500 people turned up hmm. And um, almost the rest is history God has just blessed it How, did you, how do you characterize the congregation today? Um, it's different from when we came, you know, when we came out, an interesting thing happened. Um, one of the black pastors in the city asked to see me for breakfast, you know, and he said, um, he said, I see you coming into the city. He said, are you a, a suburban church that's just going to meet in the city? Or are you an urban church that's going to make a difference? So I said to him, I said, Tony, we're a white church and God has just dumped us into the city. I said, but we were wanting to be an urban church. What are you going to do to help me? And for 10 years... That guy had breakfast with me once a week, just teaching me about the culture of the city, the inner city, you know. It had to be invaluable. Invaluable. And, and, um, and so now our church uh, would be, you know, a, a mix of um, Hispanic, African-American, Asian. There's a lot of Asians moving into the city with Caterpillar here. And um, it, it's, what, what I say, it's a little bit like heaven on earth. Yes, you know? yes, yeah. yeah. But the church is going well. And it's going well, and we've planted um, three other churches uh, out of here. So Morton is about 10 miles up the road, and um, we planted there 10 years ago, and uh, the young guy there was my youth, who was my youth pastor. I put him over there to run the church. They've now got six, 700 people. Uh, three years ago, we planted in Washington, Illinois, back in Washington. Uh, right in the center of Washington, and that church is now running 500 people. And um, we've just planted way out into the cornfields of uh, Stark County in Toulon, and um, we've we've been there about um, three months, and we've got 100 people there at the minute. Is there a
0: verse of scripture that you've claimed that really characterizes your life, that you really encapsulates yeah. who you are in Christ?
1: When I first got that call from America, you know, I um, I, I said to the Lord, I need you to confirm this from the Scripture. You know, uh, uh, voices can come from anywhere, but the Scripture is the inspired Word, and um, I believe God speaks to us through the Word. So I said, I'm going to pick the Word up tomorrow morning. I'm going to carry on from where I left off. I was reading through the book of Genesis, and... um, I picked it up the next morning. It was Genesis chapter 12. And I'd asked God, will you confirm this? And it says, and God said to Abraham, leave your family and your kindred and go to the land that I will send you. I will bless you. And make your name great, and whoever blesses you will be blessed, whoever curses you will be cursed, and I will um, bless w- your, your way in, in as you go. So I've clung on to that verse uh, ever since we've come uh, to the States uh, as a definite confirmation of, of God putting me here and planting me here as long as he wants it. So it's been 25 years uh, this year. And uh, and no regrets. I have no regrets, none whatsoever. Um, you're always in the place of um, feeling... As much as I've done, I wish I could have done more, you know, uh, that, that would be my heart. And, um, I've told the Lord, you know, as long as there's one soul that needs to come to know him, if I'm on my deathbed, I'll be struggling to get up to get to that one. And that's my passion. I just love to see people's lives transformed.
0: You've just met Pastor John King, born in Wales, but now serving Christ as the pastor of Riverside Community Church in downtown Peoria, Illinois. We'll place links to this great church on our website, firstpersoninterview.com. And if there's someone else you feel should hear today's interview, please pass along the link from our website where this program is now online. I'm grateful for a broadcast partner who makes First Person possible. It is the Far East Broadcasting Company. FEBC takes Christ to the world through radio and new technology, and millions respond after hearing God's word, many for the first time. Show your thanks for First Person by supporting FEBC. You can follow by clicking on the banner at our website, firstpersoninterview.com. Next week, Nick Vojicic of Life Without Limbs. Now with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson. I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for listening to First Person.